Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Diane Quintana, a professional organizer and co-author of the new book, Filled Up and Overflowing. I feel that even if we had an organized home prior to the pandemic, these last two years have likely had a negative toll on that. Or perhaps we already had some challenges in this arena. Here we have a calm approach on how to deal with clutter or hoarding in terms of ourselves or someone else. Let's listen and learn. Diane Quintana, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us today. Good morning, Kate. Thank you for inviting me. I am very excited and feel really encouraged and hopeful as we have an opportunity just as we begin a fresh new year with so much that we feel we want to have changing. Speaking with you as a professional organizer and about your new book you've co-authored, Filled Up and Overflowing, What to Do When Life Events, Chronic Disorganization, and Hoarding Go Overboard. All of that just feels so important for this time when, you know, there's that proverbial New Year's resolution time. But this is bigger than that. This is really about wanting to ensure that our life is on a good, solid track, and and we're feeling good about it, I think. That's correct. Quite often, our homes get filled up with minutiae, with little things that we put down, clutter accumulates, and or we have a life event, a new baby, for instance, um, a divorce, a new job. They're all different kinds of life events that throw us off our organizing track that Um, make us abandon our routine for keeping our house clear and organized. And when that happens, the clutter can become so overwhelming that people don't know quite what to do. And, And then the overwhelm builds on itself. So if you don't address it, then it becomes... Um, a very difficult thing to start to tackle. So our book, Filled Up and Overflowing, deals with just that. It deals with the overabundance of stuff. And um, and then there are people who are challenged by chronic disorganization or hoarding-like behaviors where they really have trouble letting go of things. I don't know if that has ever happened to you where you've had some things that you had trouble releasing and and then you come back to it maybe and and make yourself okay with it. You it's been enough time where you can either recycle it or donate it or trash it. But quite often people with hoarding like behaviors or chronic disorganization or in these life event situations are so overwhelmed by the amount of clutter that they don't know where to begin. And that's where our book comes in. We have my co-author, John DeBeady, and I have years, um, combined total of over 30 years experience working in these sorts of homes. And we go in and meet with our clients and Find out where they're starting from so that we can help them get back to a sense of organized. 
And that's part of the beauty and the um, the service, I guess, of the book filled up and overflowing is that there are some of these stories interspersed through the chapters. And it's it's an easy book to, to read. I mean, and it's gripping in the sense of these stories and uh, buried, buried, I guess, within this are these nuggets that where we might find that we relate to this and find solutions for ourselves. That's true. We have, um, as you say, interspersed in every chapter, there are at least two stories from our clients. Of course, we've changed their names and we've changed some of the details to protect the people we have actually worked with. Um, but the, the stories illustrate situations that people may find themselves in. There's, and then we have also examples of, for instance, if you have um, ADD, if you've been diagnosed with um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, uh, then you might find yourself walking down a similar path to my client and there's her story in in the in the book and so it's it's a little bit more relatable that way because we identify what the underlying um, stressor could be and then people can read these stories and find the strategies of what we did with that, what I did or what my colleague Jonda did with their, her client or my client to help them get to um, a point where they don't feel overwhelmed or ashamed or embarrassed. There's something else that I um, wanted to share with you, and it's something that uh, many organizers and, and, and an acronym that we use, and of course you would be familiar with it. We call it chaos. You know what chaos feels like. We call it can't have anyone over syndrome. And many people who are affected by chronic disorganization or hoarding-like behaviors or these life event upheavals feel that way. They feel like they don't want to let anyone in through their front door. So when they do open the door and let you in, it's important to come in with the correct strategies to help the person could be a loved one or a family member right because the wrong kind of reaction which is uh maybe a look of horror uh can have absolutely the opposite effect of what you hope that you want to do with them yes well i i bet you can picture this you um the door is open for you and you're faced with piles of things. Could be piles of clothes or piles of books or um, a mismatch of things. And you look at it and roll your eyes. Mm. So the message that you're sending the person without saying a word is that you can't believe that this is the state of their house. And that's the last thing in the world you want to do because they're opening the door to you. So you want to be able to walk in, have a friendly affect on your face and say, how can I help? Or say, thank you for opening the door for me. I appreciate the trust you're placing in me. 
the trust that a person places in you when they open the door, if they're embarrassed to have anyone over, that trust, you have to try very hard not to break that trust because once you break that trust, they're not going to let you back in the house. And this is such a, a valuable lesson for so many situations, and and it can maybe even reflect upon ourselves whether um, a person is hearing this, hearing our conversation this morning, or they come across this new book filled up and overflowing, will feel that sense of understanding. And I keep hearing through uh, reading reviews of your books of how compassionate you and Jonda are. And just speaking with you, your tone and your calmness, Diane, really uh, portray that strongly. Oh, thank you so much. This is something that um, Jonda and I are very pleased about, that many of our clients have huge place huge trust in us to let us in to let us help them and by writing this book one of our goals was to teach family members how to um, cultivate that trust that understanding that measure of kindness and grace that you want to show your family member who may be living in a situation like this You want them to feel comfortable opening the door. You want them to feel comfortable that knowing that you aren't just going to go in and make a clean sweep and give them um, what for you is an organized place. It's important in organizing, and I just want to say this really clearly, that organizing means different things to every single person. Because we're all unique, every person is their own person. And the way you want to organize, for instance, Kate, would not be the way I want to organize. Maybe. We don't know because we don't know each other very well. But if you don't take the time to find out how the person wants to store their things or what's important to the person, then... um, trying to organize their home and make it beautiful or make it uh, livable according to you may not be the way they want to be. And if that's the case, it's not going to be sustainable. Exactly. Exactly. If if the person has hoarding-like tendencies or behaviors, they're going to fill the home back up um, Research shows they will fill it up faster than they did the first time. Mm -hmm. So what what you want to avoid is clearing out completely. And we ask that people aim for safety first. So, of course, we all want our loved ones to be living in a safe home. You want the doorways to be clear. You want... um, You want somebody like an emergency medical technician to be able to walk in the house with a gurney unimpeded, if necessary. And unfortunately, we can never predict when that's going to happen. You can't say, oh, I'll have this doorway cleared in three weeks, and so in three weeks it will be okay for someone to come in. That's 
that's an important consideration, making sure that doorways and, and entries are, and exits are clear, that windows can be opened, that the vents in the floor or wherever they happen to be are free of stuff. Nothing is piled near the furnace. Nothing is in an oven, for instance. Ovens are great places to store things because they're usually empty, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to store anything inside an oven or on top of the stove because it could be turned on by mistake. And then that's obviously a fire hazard. Yes. So hoarding is quite obviously a, an issue because there have been the reality shows about this. And I think you've even been involved at, at a point in time um, with, it was called Hoarders, right? Or maybe it still is on, I'm not sure. It is still on. Um, yes, they, they're still creating new episodes of the TV show. And I was on one. I was very um, lucky to be in the organizing team leader and uh, and it was it was great but the the thing about these shows it takes 30 minutes to watch it on the television it takes a couple of days sometimes longer to produce that segment so the what somebody watches on television is not reality they they see the way the home looks they see different points of progress and then they see the end result and in those shows we aim for safety first never um is it a complete clean out it is a safety first um organizing effort and then i served as the organizer working with the person for another 6 months after the fact so organizing for somebody in one of those hoarding situations is a very lengthy, very lengthy time consuming process. And as, um, and I keep saying this, it's safety first. I really want to hit that home. And, and, that is, of course, critical, as you did describe for us, Diane. And if we think about it, it it's so logical that that has to be the first thing at the front of our minds. In, in thinking of hoarding, I think of it as kind of an extreme on a scale. Then I think of, you know, the, the year that we've been we've lived in 2020 and how mm-hmm. being at home kind of created a situation in our homes that wouldn't necessarily be the way it would be under normal circumstances. So there might be a lot of clutter because now home is also office and school and, and, and recreation. So we might be living in the midst of so much that's kind of beginning to be, it could look like hoarding. So if we have this going on, how do we begin to address that and, and put some semblance of order back into our lives? That's a great question, Kate. Thanks so much for asking this. And you're absolutely right. 2020 is a year like none other, and we are using our homes for everything. Our home now has become everything to us. I advocate to uh, creating zones 
where specific things happen. And um, by that, I mean, uh, for instance, in your uh, what used to be maybe a bedroom, it can be a bedroom and an office. So create an office zone and have things in that area which support the office functions and then remove everything else. So you would have the area of, the, of that room that is for sleeping and maybe the closet for the clothes and a, a bureau and then a separate zone for an office and perhaps separate it by a screen uh, or um, you can put in a rolling um, board of some kind, something to divide the space, if possible. The One of the important things to recognize is that we can all live with less. <laughs> they, we, we collect things. People are collectors. We like our memories. And the things don't hold the memory. The memory lives within us. Although the the physical representation of the memory is in the thing. So you can take a picture of whatever it is and release it. I ask parents to have uh, take pictures, for instance, of their children's art projects and then have the child say something or write something if they're old enough about the art project. And then you can let the art project go because if you hang on to every art project, or school-related project that your child has, your home would be filled up with art projects. That's a slight exaggeration, of course, but I think you get the point. So in terms of taking our homes from the cluttered-up 2020 to a more realistic organizing space, as you organize each zone according to what is happening there, release the extras. Let go of the, for instance, the oversized clothes or the too small clothes if you put on the COVID-15 and um, or release the uh, school projects, have the things that support your office in the office area and make sure that that's what you're doing. You're really focusing on the purpose of the room. So that seems doable. If it's something perhaps a little bigger than that and and someone has to, you know, has had stuff collecting perhaps in the garage, boxes of things, but it might be the spare bedroom that has a lot of extra things. How do you recommend to people who really decide they want to get this organized? How do you start so it's it doesn't feel overwhelming? Sure. Start small. If you have a garage that's full of things uh, collected over time or a bedroom, a spare bedroom, as you say, start with one small spot in that room, in the garage or in that spare bedroom. You don't want to walk in, for instance, and say, today I'm organizing this room and at the end of the day it will be done. That's an overwhelming thought, particularly if you've been um, stowing things there for quite some time. You want to pick 
an area of the room or the garage. It could be one shelf or one chest of drawers or even one drawer with a chest of drawers. Remove anything, remove everything from the drawer or the shelf and sort through it. Decide what you are keeping and what you are releasing. The tendency here is to, at the point where you've decided you aren't keeping something or if it doesn't belong in that space, it belongs somewhere else, is to get up and go take it there. But then you're, you're going to focus your attention on wherever you've gone to. My, my advice is to stay in that spot. So completely do the, the drawer in the chest of drawers or completely do the shelf and then move to another area and put everything that doesn't belong in the room or on the sh- or in the garage into a box or bags to take elsewhere because at the end of your organizing session you'll take it elsewhere don't spend the entire day there set a timer for yourself i like to say take 10 minutes because you would be amazed at what you can accomplish in 10 minutes. You feel good about the 10 minutes you've spent, and then maybe you want to spend another 10 minutes. Or if you have um, a long fuse, you can focus your attention for a long period of time, set your timer for 20 to 30 minutes. And the reason for this is that it won't become an onerous task and you will make good decisions. When the timer is finished, walk away, do something else, you know, go read a book, walk outside, do something else. And then if you feel up to it, come back for another session. Whatever you do, don't overtax yourself because then, as I said, you'll make hasty decisions, the decisions you may regret, um, and it, it won't come out the way you want it to. I must say, I really appreciate, Diane, you're saying, as you're organizing in an area, sort things, put them in a box that has to go somewhere else, because I certainly have been guilty where I'll find something, and I think, oh, it needs to go to this other place, then I go there, and then I get distracted, and I start on something there, and everything falls apart. So you're guiding us and really being able to be organized by just shaping things that way, taking a certain amount of time, keeping it in a box to move elsewhere later. Yes. And that believe it or not, that strategy, it works so well. Then you can take that box of things or that bag of things and distribute them around the house. My other suggestion um, for keeping your home in an organized fashion is to pretend you're a server at a restaurant. If you um, pay attention, not that we've been to restaurants lately, but but in the past, when you went to a restaurant, you would notice that the servers never have empty hands. They're always either bringing something to a table or taking it from a table. So if you pretend to be a server in your own house, as you walk through a room, if you happen to notice something that doesn't belong, pick it up and take it with you. Take it to where it belongs. You don't necessarily have to put it away, but take it to where it belongs because um, then when you go back into that space, you can put it away. 
if you leave it where it is as you're passing through, then clutter kind of grows like bunnies. It multiplies. So if you leave something when you're walking through the room and then you happen to walk through the room again and you notice something else, as I said, things will multiply. On that vein of thinking of food, uh, restaurants in that case, here in our home, you have some ideas, I believe, in terms of if our goal as we start a new year is to really shed those COVID-15 pounds or whatever they might be uh, (laughs) and get more fit, how do we go about really organizing our home so that it's going to support that? Sure. Start by organizing your pantry. And if you think about a grocery store and how they have organized their shelves, organize your pantry the same way. So keep your baking things together, keep your canned goods together, and rotate them so that the things that you buy most recently go to the back of the shelf and the older cans come to the front. Always shop from your pantry before you go to the grocery store. And if you take the time to plan your meals, you can plan healthy meals for yourself. Jonda likes to grocery shop just once a week, so she buys all of everything just once a week and then freezes or whatever. I like to go to the grocery store multiple times, so what I will do is make a grocery list for all of my non-perishable items and shop for those once a week and then buy the perishable items little bit by little as my meal plan um, has dictated. But uh, if you plan your meals, then you can plan healthy meals. And if you always shop from your pantry first, then you're saving yourself money because you're not buying something that you already have. And you're also um, using things so that you create a a sustainable um, meal plan for yourself. Does that make sense? Oh, Absolutely. Uh, On on so many levels, that has so much value for us. There's a real great logic to it as well. And the way that you frame it, Diane, I feel makes it doable. There's just offering, here's a a, a way, here's some guidelines, and it, it just makes a lot of sense. Oh, good. I'm happy. I'm happy to provide that for you. And then the, the other, um, thing that you mentioned was exercising at home. So if your goal is to exercise more, make it easy for yourself and have one spot where you're storing your exercise clothes, have a spot where you have your yoga mat or your hand weights. In fact, you don't need to use hand weights. You can use water bottles. If you fill water bottles full, you can; those can double as hand weights if you have nice big bottles of water that you can hold. And have them in uh, like a Zen corner where you can maybe do some meditating. Maybe you have a little candle there. Make it a pretty spot for yourself, a place that you want to go and exercise. And, um, and then it's easy. Just take half an hour every day or every couple of days and those pounds will come off. Again, very supportive and organized so that we see that this is so supportive of our life. And uh, you do it in such an encouraging way, Diane, that I I appreciate it. I think we can all feel that, ah, 
I think this is something I can really try and uh, make work for me uh, each day as we go forward, not just looking at the whole year. I think looking at it in the same way that you said organizing, take this just 10 minutes at a time, uh, applies here as well. Yes, it does. Yes. Well, it's so wonderful to be able to speak with you and and get some of this direction that is so critical for us, Diane Quintana. You have a website. We should mention that where we can get a lot of really valuable information and learn more about your book as well. Yes, thank you for asking. It is www.releaserepurpose.com. And the book, Filled Up and Overflowing, What to Do When Life Events, Chronic Disorganization, and Hoarding Go Overboard. Now, that's available and really a great tool that's going to support us moving forward. Right, Diane? Yes. Thank you so much, Kate. It's been such a pleasure talking with you this morning, and I'm happy to share my organizing tips with you and your listeners. Well, I think we all appreciate that, and you're going to help us in making this year a better year in many different ways. So thank you greatly. Thank you, Kate. And that brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Diane Quintana and Sunday Morning Magazine with Creek Stewart. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of making some plans and being and feeling more prepared. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.